0: Hey guys, how's everybody doing? Good. Well, hey, look, we don't need a microphone, but we're we're using microphones because um, we're putting this on a podcast. And I just told my wife about five minutes ago we're doing that, so she's kind of flipping out. And I'm good. <laughs> we're talking about unity in the home, so I just wanted to give you a visual illustration about what not to do. Um, but uh, glad you're here tonight. Uh, I think I think we're going to open up with a word of prayer, and. Uh, Give you a minute just to kind of talk amongst yourselves because I want you to introduce yourself at your table because a lot of you may not know everybody and, um, or anybody at your table. And if you uh, are sitting alone like Jenny, I guess I will sing all by myself and, uh, and everything. Uh, they're coming back, but, uh, let me pray for us, okay? Father, we are so grateful to be here tonight and to be able to discuss your word, to be able to discuss what it means, uh, to be a family unit according to your plan. Um, We ask, God, that you would give us ears to hear, uh, that you give us a heart that's receptive, and, Lord, that you would give us an understanding of what your word says and make us make the appropriate applications as we move forward. In Christ's name, amen. Here's what I want you to do at your table right now. Just take a minute, introduce yourself to each other, and uh, just kind of share for a second how you started coming to River Hills. I'm going to give you about 45 seconds to a minute to do this. Mark, it's set, Go. All right, let's wrap it up. Good, good, hello, we love each other, great. All right, amen. All right, what we're going to do tonight is if you have your phone and it has a Bible app on it, you want to open that up. If you have a Bible, we definitely want to open that up if you don't uh, have your phone. I have a hard time looking at my phone for the Bible. Some of you don't have a difficult time with it. I guess I'm I'm older than a lot of you guys in here. Uh, and uh, yeah, thank you, appreciate that. But I always like to turn pages, uh, so um, but we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5 for a few seconds, and then we're going to jump into some practical. Uh, everybody knows my wife, Sarah Beth, and if you don't have not met her, she's the most wonderful woman in the world. And uh, so we're going to tell you what an imperfect husband is and what a perfect wife is based upon us. Um, she loves standing in front of people and talking, uh, and, uh, and so I'm going to have to take her out to a nice dinner or something afterward uh, after these three weeks are over with. But y'all know my wife is a counselor. Uh, she's been on stage with me before. And so I asked her to come do this with me. I'm going to give a biblical tech context for, our, for us. And she's going to give some more uh, counselees, I guess would be the best way to say it. Is basically we put the therapeutic stuff on top of the Bible. What drips off the Bible, we don't use. Sound good? Mm-hmm. And so what we want to do is give you some more practical helps, and she's got a lot of knowledge and research. She's been doing this for, she, we've been married 17 years, so literally she's been doing this for 17 years, but I think professionally yeah. for about 15, so um, almost, almost <laughs> 15. So, uh, But I'm uh, really glad you're here tonight. Basically what's going to happen over the next three weeks, and I hope you make it every week, is tonight we're going to talk about uh, the theme is building safety into your home, which is very important. And it's a foundational element for everything we're going to be talking about over the next two weeks. Next week, we'll talk about building into your marriage. And in the third week, building into your parenting. Now, this is going to be a little different than some of your uh, Family Matters seminars. And feel free to ask questions, by the way, if you have any question, We'll do our best to answer it. Um, but it's going to be a little different because we're focusing on not so much the practicality, but the gospel-centeredness of that family unit. Uh, I had a conversation with a guy today, and he said he used to thought his life should be Jesus, family, and then work in that order. And then he realized it was Jesus, Jesus in the middle of my family, Jesus in the middle of my work, Jesus in the middle of my friendships. That's the difference. You see that? It's not just elevating him above everything else. It's putting him in the middle of everything else. And so that's our pursuit. Now, I know some of you, maybe your spouse couldn't make it, so I'm sure you'll share these notes with them later. Maybe listen to the podcast that we'll put up uh, and give us about a week to do that. Um, because Seth is running his own uh, seminar in another part of the church. But here's what we want to do, and I'm going to talk for a few moments. Sarah Beth's going to talk, and we'll play off each other a little bit. We're very different. I just start talking and go with it. And this morning about 7.30, we sat down and wrote out every word, all right? And so she's got the script. And I, yeah, very much more detailed. And, um, and so she's got the script. But what I want to do is start off in Ephesians chapter 5. Let's notice what that text says. We're going to be in verse 22. Because what we want to learn first and foremost is what are the biblical purposes for your family, and we see every person represented that family there. If you've been to River Hills more than a couple of years, we've talked through this text. But notice what it says here, verse twenty, verse chapter five, um, verse twenty-two. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the as you do to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing of, with water through the word, and present to her to himself a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or with any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves, him, loves his wife loves himself. Then we're going to skip down to chapter 6, verse 1. Children, got a hallelujah out of the baby right there. All right. <laughs> children, <laughs> obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you. I think we said that to our children 50,000 times. And that you may enjoy long life on earth. As parents, sometimes if they don't obey you, they may not join a, enjoy a long life. Right, moms and dads? But uh, good principle there. And then in verse 4, fathers do not exasperate your children. That's a big word we're going to come back to. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Here's what we're going to do. Um, there, there, is a perp- there, there is chaos. This is your first blank. When we operate, operate outside of God's plan. There is chaos when we operate outside of God's plan. You've got to know that got to understand that. And we got in parentheses on your listening guide there, Genesis chapter 3, verses 16 through 19. We're not going to look at that, but basically after Adam and Eve had uh, bitten of the fruit and disobeyed God, it said basically to the man, you're going to have to work the rest of your life, and by the sweat of your brow, you're going to have to provide for your family. And of the woman, he said, basically what's going to happen, your curse is you're always going to be longing to be in the position of authority as the man. And so what happens is when you live outside of God's parameters here, you live in your own type of idea of what is truth and what is not truth. It creates an incredible amount of chaos within that family. When the children aren't going in the right direction biblically, when the wife, when the husband, when we're in not in God's, really his niche of doing things, um, we're not going to have a unified home. You're not going to have a safe home. Does that make sense to everyone? But let me explain about what these roles are. We're only going to spend a few moments on that and Sarah Beth's going to take over. The male role, as you read in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 through 33, and really, if you, it really hits on it. In uh, verse 28, in the same way husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. The male role is to be a servant leader. And, what, and the best way I can illustrate that is that you're the first one off the airplane, if you think about a military analogy, you're the first one into combat, You're the one to absorb the bullets. It doesn't mean a dictator. It doesn't mean the one of authority, uh, even though there is authority in there. But it means being a servant leader. It means you love your wife more than you love yourself. Got it? So many of us have this jacked up understanding that being a male in a home is one that is that you better have supper ready and the dishes clean and the kids in the bed when I get home. And I'm going to watch a football game. Man, can I tell you that's one of the most unbiblical and ungodly ways to lead a home. Men serve first. But secondly, women are, becoming, are to become a submissive partner. And what we mean by that is a submissive partner, I'm, I'm not going to talk about this much more. Sarah Beth's going to take over. But a submissive partner is one that works in conjunction and shows, it has respect for her husband. Sarah has a great thought on that.
1: Um, I heard an illustration years ago. This is not my own, but I was at a Beth Moore conference, and she was talking about just an illustration of what this looks like. Because I don't know about y'all, but I hear submit, and there's a lot of negative connotations that go along with that that kind of make me want to rise up just a little bit, which is not <laughs> what God wants me to do. But she gave the illustration, um, and I know down here we don't ride on snowmobiles very much, but have you guys ever seen a snowmobile? Or maybe a seadoo. Think about a seadoo. Um, And going through all of the elements, the husband is in the front. He is the one that is taking on all the elements. He is the one that's steering where you go. Um, And you're the one that kind of tucks behind him. You hold on. You experience that level of safety and protection. And that's God's intended design for a wife. And um, we are definitely not a perfect example of this. I think just as a disclaimer in all of this, Y'all have probably seen me in some really bad parenting moments or really bad moments um, with Chip. But we are definitely making imperfect progress in all of this. So as we speak this, I want you guys to know that. Um, but that's kind of what it looks like. It's not that you are a doormat. It's not that a husband is to, you know, bark orders at you or even that you're to bark back. Um, but I think that's a, a definitely a complicated passage. Um I won't go too much.
0: Yeah, and, it, it. and as we're striving in the Godward direction individually, it's amazing how much unity and, and harmony and happiness happens when you're in a sense of oneness together. Does that make sense? When I'm being a servant leader and she respects me and loves me, man, she's happy and I'm happy. It's a good thing. And so when you're fighting for that, and that means, uh, ladies, you're fighting the inclination to rise up. And, guys, you're fighting the infl- inclination to be passive Or to be dominant when you're becoming a servant. And I I harp more on the guys because we don't have a lot of servant leader men in the world. They're either dominant or passive wimps. Both bully or a wimp, right? And so uh, that is not what we're supposed to do. And so um, the other role is the child's role. And if you look back in the text, children must honor their parents. We know that. Um, I think the honor comes uh, when they leave your house. (laughs) <laughs> because we've all had those moments on the playground at McDonald's, mm-hmm. right? Oh yeah. We've got kicked out of how many?
1: A lot of McDonald's. I've been <laughs> yelled at at a lot of McDonald's, <laughs> <So> <laughs> what my children have
0: done there. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> one cool illustration, uh, Caroline, I'll never forget, was at McDonald's, and she was uh, 18 months old, and she, she got little. to the top of the playground. Can I tell this story? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> She's at the top of the playground where it's hum- humanly impossible for a guy my size to get to. You know what I'm talking about? And, and they get up there, and that's when they know they can do something wrong. Caroline had ripped her shirt off and was swinging it around. It was toddlers gone wild in the middle of McDonald's. It was unbelievable. And so I think the honor happens later in some ways. I'm proud when they honor me now. But uh, one thing I tell my kids when they do something well, I'm proud. I'm, I've always been proud of you. Now I'm proud for you. Does that make sense? And so uh, but a child's role is to honor the parents obedience is important, and they have to be taught this. This is not, you don't, you. don't listen, a two-year-old, you don't stand up and say, you know, put all the dishes in the dishwasher. They have to be taught that stuff. And so if we come to our children and say, well, I'm punishing you because you're not obeying me, and many times it's like they have no clue. And so we have to be very intentional about the teaching aspect in the home. I do want, and I think Sarah going to add something, but I want to put something, verse 4, it says fathers don't exasperate your children, Listen, exasperating your children is one of those words that just really is kind of like, you ever seen somebody just wring their hands, and they just kind of like, oh, I don't know what else to do. You exasperate your children when you don't teach them. You realize that? You exasperate your children when you don't discipline them. You exasperate your children when you don't put boundaries up. They want it as much as they say they don't. They want it. And on the flip side of that, too, it says, it, uh, to bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord that means discipleship that means this, and I'm going to say this to this group and I hope the whole church hears it one day the number one job you have as a parent is to disciple your kids the church cannot do it we get them for an hour a week sometimes two but your job is to make sure they're church we're going to get into this in session three a little bit more but that's where that goes there but Sarah Beth uh, tell us your thoughts
1: Um, on the child's role. I don't know about y'all, but parenting is the most challenging thing I've ever done. And as we're talking about all of this, there's just this common theme of dying to yourself, dying to your wishes, dying to your wants. And teaching our kids, I feel like I say the same thing over and over again. and It really um, has brought out things in me that I realize I've got to deal with emotionally. I've got to Uh, submit my emotions to the Lord I've got to submit things to him that I feel like my kids should be doing or you know if I have an image of who my child should be and they're not that accepting them for who they are and so just dying to ourselves being in sync with the Lord and spending time with him is so imperative if we are going to parent them in a way um, that is godly and is going to result in a godly child Um, teach them over and over and over and over
0: and over (laughs) <laughs> when we step outside of our roles, basically we call this a three-letter word. It's called sin, okay? And we need to be honest about ourselves when we're in sin as adults and when they're in sin as children, when we're in sin as husbands, when you're in sin as a wife. There has to be uh, some important parts. And so um, when cho- there are three things. Sarah Beth is going to highlight a little bit more for it, but I'll start with this one. When children rule your home rather than being the submissive aspect in your home, a couple of things happen. We bow to their wishes, which is wrong. I mean, sometimes it is easier to just give them what they want so they'll shut up. Would y'all agree on that? Let's just be honest. It is, right? But that's not, the easy way is not the right way. Uh, Also, uh, too much grace. Uh, We give our children grace, but we also give them boundaries. Do they cross those boundaries? Especially one of them. All the time. And I got two kids, one I can look at and she cries, and the other one I can beat within an inch of his life. Now you know who that one is. Um, and uh, and, and it, it's like, bring more, uh, bring more. I never forget, uh, we spank at our home. I'm sorry if you don't, but I was spanking him, and I, he, he, said, he looked at me and he said, you're not the boss of me. And I spanked him, I said, who's your boss now? <laughs> you aren't. Just popped him again, he's crying. Am I your boss? Who's your boss? You're not. And I popped him again. You're not the boss. I mean, this went on seven or eight times. And finally, I said, who's your boss? He said, the president. And so, <laughs> you know. Yeah, we've had some stellar parenting Yes, events. yes. Um. But we have to set up grace. Mm-hmm. We have to set up expectation. We have to expect our kids, when we're taught, teaching them something, to act right. You have to. There need to be consequences. I'm not, the, I'm not Mr. Consistent here. That's my weakest parenting thing. But... Um, But when they are operating outside of their roles, they're unhappy. And I guess what? So are you, right? And so, Sarah?
1: Do you want me to speak to what happens a lot of times when the wife doesn't? Yeah. (laughs) I'll speak to that. Um, A lot of things happen. All of us have our natural tendencies, you know, based on our temperament, our our personalities. And just a few things that happen, I don't know about y'all, but um, I feel like sometimes I know better um, what we should do. You do (laughs) know better. That's the problem. (laughs) Um, And I don't allow Chip to lead out. And usually it's because I'm fearful. I'm fearful that he's going to make this choice and I think this is better. Um, So in that, I've got to trust that God knows best in Chip as the authority and not usurp that power um, like I've probably done before. Um, And what happens a lot of times when that happens When we do that is we emasculate our husband. We take away that role that God's given them as a provider. Um, We often make it difficult emotionally for our family. Sometimes walking on eggshells occurs. I don't know if any of you guys have experienced that kind of silent treatment or we get passive-aggressive and we try to take power away. In that way we become silent. Um, those things happen. Um, using sex manipulate. I know nobody's done that before. Um, withholding, um, and then a lot of times what happens is our husbands become passive, and that further um, frustrates in our marriage as well. Um, do you want to do the husband yeah, part?
0: Husbands, uh, when we're outside of our roles, we are demanding. We become dominant, or we become passive. It becomes about being a putting down. Have y'all ever seen it critical? Uh, we uh, become more selfish. Our focus becomes more about the bass boat outside or whatever our hobby is rather than our family. I mean, we do those things, right, guys? And so uh, it's sometimes easier for the dude just to say, fine, you handle it all, and we'll go outside and let the yard be our kingdom. And so I think I'm hitting a nerve with a lot of guys in here. I know the wives are, "Mm -hmm." mm-hmm. But uh, um, we diminish the wife. We put her down. And she starts to fit into the role that you're supposed to live in, and you're not happy. And so what God's plan is, it becomes just chaos inside your house. Now, we say this at the beginning of all this stuff to say, we want to put safety in your home. We we work real hard at that, too. We're not perfect. And I'm I'm really hesitant about teaching this because every time we've done something on marriage and parenting, something has blown up at our house. So pray for us tonight and for the next three or four weeks. (laughs) I ain't kidding. Y'all. Does.
1: Yeah, we he told pray. me we were going to be doing this. I was like, oh no, we need to start praying now. <laughs> uh,
0: but let's skip down to, uh, we'll skip down to right here. Uh, let's skip down to a definition of safety in the home. Let's start with there. Um, safety uh, basically be, can be defined like this. Home is a place where you can be vulnerable and honest, vulnerable and honest, without being judged condemned, or criticized. Safety is a place where you can be vulnerable and honest without being judged, condemned, or criticized. Now, that sounds like a wonderful place. Wouldn't y'all agree? And so um, I heard somebody say one time, it's uh, kind of like you want to be able to go home and have a soft place to land. And when your home's not a safe environment, it's not very soft, would y'all agree? In fact, that's when your hours start going later in the work week. That's when that's when affairs start to happen. To be quite honest with you, uh, it's when that's a rigid environment at your house, when it's not a safe place. Uh, we begin to to lose connection as as couples uh, and with our kids. And so, the objective really for the remainder of our time together this evening is taking the taking the gospel and creating a safe environment at home and give you some practical tools. So. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, a couple of the questions, um, I like to I ask myself questions all the time, and I ask people questions all day. <laughs> um, but are we showing the people that live in our home, am I needed and am I wanted by our responses to them? You know, our husbands, when they come through the door, you know, are you showing him that he's needed and he's wanted? When your kid wants to tell you the same story for the 50,000th time, um, you know, are you showing them that you're attentive? Um and so that that's just something to think about. I mean, obviously, you can't attend to every single word that everybody says all the time. But just that general response to the people that you live with. A lot of times, I find myself it, it's I'm not the warmest to my family, and those are those are the safe people, and this is the place where it needs to be most safe. So we've got to pay attention to that. I and mean, there's a lot of things pulling at us in this day and age. Um, so just asking yourself those questions. Um, our kids come home from school and they've it, they've had things thrown at them all day? Are we paying attention to what happened in their day? Um, and when our, like Chip, just to echo what he was saying, when a lot of stress comes from our home and our home life, um, we tend to turn outside of our home, or our kids even turn outside of our home to, to get those values and um, to learn, um, to get their worth even, um, to look to other people to try to get those needs filled. Um, so we want to always be pointing them towards Christ, and again, our connection to Christ is going going to be what motivates that and, and
0: drives that. Um, I, she works with people all day long. I, I, we've been in the ministry together for 20 years, and she's counseled half or more of that time, but we work with people from all different types of situations. When a child is coming to school to get away from the stress of that home, something's wrong. Does that make sense? And so we want to make sure that house is as safe as possible. You want to make sure your home is as safe as possible. And so, creating those places to where they can let their hair down. You know, this is—you ever wonder why your kids come home and blow up at you, but they don't do it anywhere else? It's because you're your you're their safe person. I mean, that's not a bad thing. I mean, I honestly would rather have my kid blow up at me rather than a teacher, wouldn't you? And so, learning how to help them cope with that is—we're so far into parenting yeah. uh, that we need to go somewhere else, but. Uh, here's what we want to do: is we want to give you a couple ways to create a safe home. All right. Uh, the first one that we want to deal with is we have to ask ourselves this question: Who reigns? And um, when I mean what we mean by who reigns in that, if sin is allowed to reign in your home, you will never have a safe environment. Let me say that again: If sin is allowed to reign in your home, if you don't catch it and deal with it personally as a family then you're not going to have the safety that you would necessarily have. Does that make sense to y'all? And so, now, there will always be sin in your home, right? But it's the constant elevation of Jesus in that place. It's the constant priority of Christ. It's the constant recognizing, okay, the more I grow in my faith, the more I realize I need to get rid of this because this is hindering me in my faith. This is gospel-centered living. And so asking yourself, um, who is reigning here? Who's in charge? Ultimately, we want Jesus to be in charge. But when sin is in, and even in an argument, when you have those intense discussions with each other, we have to ask ourselves, who's reigning at this moment? Am I trying to win this argument? Yes, right? We all, we want to win, right? Is there something I'm manipulating here to get my way? Because eventually you cross that line if you don't deal with it in a healthy way to where it's about who wins the argument and what if I get mine, rather than coming back and being unified in that moment, so.
1: Two of the most dangerous words that I've come across in my years um, counseling and, and just working with people in ministry and stuff is, I deserve. Um, be really careful when you mention those two words because a lot of times they lead to really bad decisions or they become decisions that are driven by our flesh instead of God's spirit. Um, and it can drive you to disengage from your family. It can drive you to you know, not remain in that role that God's called you to. Um, so just... Be aware of, of your thinking and, and what you're telling yourself about those things. Too.
0: Yeah, it all comes back to ego, right? The more ego you have, the more and selfishness really leads to when the, when the safety leaves the home. And, and to, look, it's easy right now to apply this to you and your spouse, but we also think about the kids too. Uh, one of the things I heard a preacher say years ago, uh, the kids, you ever heard your kid, or maybe you have said, I know you said this, uh, it's not fair. Y'all, I mean, and now you hear your kids say it now, right? It's not fair. And my response to them, I heard this pastor say it, and my kids loathe it. Fairness died in the Garden of Eden, sugar. I mean, it's gone. <laughs> There's no fairness here. And so what we've got to work toward is let, getting them out and getting ourselves out of that ego mentality, that selfish mentality. And uh, because the reality is your children were born sinners just like you were. And, and so you have to fight to make sure those expectations and make sure who's reigning. Uh, fight to keep Christ a priority. Um, and that's going to look different for every family. Uh, many times, and I'm going to let Sarah Beth echo on this, um, is we, we think that keeping Christ a priority is that we're going to pray together or we're going to read a devotion together as a family. Guys, never have I been more defeated in my spiritual journey when I realized at the ages of two and five, my children would not sit down quietly and read the Bible with me. What's wrong with these pagans, you know? That's what I felt like. They're not praying. Sarah, Beth, our children are going to hell. Now, all that stuff, you've got to find your rhythm as a family. You've got to find your rhythm. Some of you guys are got kids that are as just compliant as ever, and you can sit down and have a Bible story and do a character lesson. And it's going to be wonderful. Some of you are on the end of chaos, like, kind of like we Sarah Beth and I are at times. And it's like on the way to school, we make sure that whoever's driving them to school or both of us sometimes, that we pray with them and we're starting to make them pray for each other, which really helps that sibling relationship. And, 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 and we're interjecting scripture throughout the day. We don't have a time where we sit down and say, we're going to study the Bible together. But one, th- because it doesn't work for us, you've got to find your rhythm. And I would say try as many things as possible. My kids have the opportunity to study the Bible. They know how to study the Bible. They'll tell you they don't know. But um, that's one of those things you really got to find that rhythm. Here's something really simple. I mean, I'm going to blow your mind here. Are you ready for this? Go to church regularly. That's easy. Now, I just stepped on everybody's toes, right? (laughs) And there are times on Sunday mornings where the last thing I want to do is go to church. But that's one of those easy things. That's one of those easy things you can do to begin to say, who's going to reign in my home? Is it going to be Christ or is it going to be everything else? So we're about grace, but we also want to have standards. So, oh, sorry. Yeah. I you preached for a moment. You kind of touched
1: on everything I was going to say. Um, but yeah, I have realistic expectations. I remember when we sat down with our precious family to have a devotional, and it was nuts. And I, we both were pretty defeated at that point. But we found different ways to do it. Every family is different. It's it looks different. I mean, with Kate, it was you know, as we're running around the playground talking about Jesus, we were always in motion. Um, just consistency and keep doing it anyway and developing those patterns. Your kids are going to notice you're going to church. They're going to notice they try to sit down and pray with me or we try to sit down and have a devotional or they talk to me about things on the way to school when I can't get out of the car. <laughs> That's how we chop we them. Um, but just that consistency in, in praying for them, praying over them, praying with them. Um, is just,
0: just a quick question. How many of you guys are raising uh, uh, four-year-old and under? Just kind of raise your hand right now. God bless you. It gets worse. All right. Uh, (laughs) That's right. Uh, How many of you in that elementary school age right now? How many of you got teenagers? Yeah, y'all need to pray for us. All right. (laughs) Y'all ain't got no idea. uh, But uh, it's going to change each life stage. Janet has raised college age and adults and things like that. It gets different, and each, each stage is different and has its own challenges, and that's where that rhythm thing comes in. Next thing is um, on your back page is atmosphere and attitudes, creating the right atmosphere, having the right attitudes. And after this one, we're going to pause for two minutes and have questions. Um, atmospheres and attitudes. Go ahead, by
1: Um, We talked about just the attitude of a critical spirit. A lot of times that happens in homes, Um, at least it's happened in ours. I don't know if it happens to anybody else where we become critical um, of the people around us and start focusing on their weakness. And Chip and I, one of the things that we said in our marriage vows was, patient with your every weakness. Um, That didn't seem like that big of a deal when we got married because he didn't have any and I didn't have any. (laughs) At least we thought at that time, you know, he was perfect. but I remember that
0: coming out. I thought our marriage counseling, you remember that day? You, oh, Anyway. Uh, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But
1: that's something we've gone back to a lot is just being patient um, with each other's every weakness. Um, and, um, yeah, that was the main thing about critical spirit. Do you want me to go through all of them?
0: I'll, I'll catch um, a couple. Um, have fun. Find something you can do as a family to have fun together. And give each other permission to do something fun that you, that you enjoy by yourself. Believe it or not, our family—all four of us—weirdly enough, uh, enjoys to fish. So that's something we do. Not as much as we should, but that's something we do. Sarah Beth loves to do some things with decorating and that kind of stuff. And at the very beginning of our marriage, I just was like, "I can't believe you're spending money on that. That's ridiculous." And a lot of you guys have been the same way. Holy cow, you spend—you've been to Hobby Lobby eight times today. What's wrong? And then Pinterest came out, and that's the devil. And so and so, you know, all that stuff. But. It gives her joy, and I need to make sure that joy is fueling her. Uh, And the same thing for my kids. The, The hardest thing in our family that we've had to learn is that one of my children, you can guess who, loves WWE. I loathe it. Loathe it. And we've had to learn all these fake wrestlers' names and their theme songs and who John Cena is. Dun, 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 dun. And I'm like, I'm watching it with him now. Yay, because I love him. And so that's the thing that, you know, uh, having fun, doing it together, that kind of stuff.
1: The 15-minute meetings, this is something that we try to do every day, and the kids kind of know when when each of us gets home, Chip and I stop and we talk for about 15 minutes. We connect. We talk about what's going on. Sometimes we just high-five each other. and. Um, figure out what we're doing for the rest of the night. We've got so many activities going on at this stage in life. Um, But the kids see that we spend that time together. Another thing that we try to do with the kids is 15 minutes with each kid every day. And that doesn't sound like a lot, but just one-on-one, face-to-face time with them. And that diminishes a lot of behavioral problems as well. They feel loved. And if you can spend time with them doing something that you know is going to make them feel loved, I don't know if you all have heard of the five love languages, um, find out what your kid's love language is or even your spouse's love language um, and build on that during that time.
0: Couple, and we'll kind of uh, combine these two together. Is Domestic roles need to be defined, not dictated. Domestic roles need to be defined, not dictated. Some of us who are dudes can cook, will cook. Just because you're a lady doesn't mean That you should be the one doing all the cooking. I'm just using that as an example, just because you know we're trying to teach our kids, and this is something we've learned through countless counseling, personally, and going through all this stuff. Is if it needs to be done, do it, Uh, and it doesn't. You're going to find your fit in that. But listen, somebody's got to take out the trash, and if the person who normally takes it out is not home, it's not. It shouldn't just sit there. You know what I mean? And so determine uh, domestic roles, and with that. This is going to sound crazy and hokey, but the cleaner your house is, the less chaos it will have. I mean, that's just truth. And get your kids involved, get your spouses involved, clean the house. This sounds like nuts because some of us were born in a pigsty, right? Um, and, uh, and, and uh, you know, I remember in college, I didn't wash my sheets except when I went home at the end of every semester. And so, yeah, some of it, I mean you could slide right off those things. And so, uh, you know, and you couldn't see the floor because I hadn't washed clothes. Any of you dudes live like that? And I, we cleaned out. we I remember my roommates and I, we uh, had a steak dinner, and she was actually there with a, my roommate. they They went out. That's where we met. And so, uh, but we had him over for a steak dinner, and by the end of the year, she was dating me. We cleaned out her refrigerator and found the steaks that we had cooked in September and May. Dude, you talking about a science experiment? We just threw pans away because, it just, you know, I've had to learn that cleanliness can lead to some forms of godliness in your home, and it definitely will make things less chaotic. So clean your house. Does that make sense? It's important. It's important, and it shouldn't be all the wife either. Kids, need, look, I got two maids that I don't pay at my house, Cade and Caroline. I mean, I'm being dead serious. They're going to learn how to clean the class. They learn how to vacuum. They have their toilet responsibilities. They have everything. And I got no, I'll sit there and watch football and let them do it. I got no shame in that game. So, um, anyway, go ahead.
1: Yeah, that's always a work in progress. Yeah. Um, again, imperfect progress there in our home, too. There's a website. I don't know if you guys have heard of Fly Lady. Um, and she tells you. Was how Is she a
0: fly girl? With J Lo? Probably. Okay. Yeah. Some of y'all point. got that, but she
1: can really tell you how to clean your house and how to break it down. I don't know about you guys, but I get really overwhelmed with everything that there is to do all the time. And she gives you like daily tasks and um, that type of thing. So if you're feeling really overwhelmed, um, check out Fly Lady. Her her website's a little chaotic, but it it just really details how to get started, baby steps to take in order to.
0: Real quickly, establish traditions, atmosphere and attitudes, establish traditions. Your mother-in-law's house is not the house where you establish your traditions. That's something we had to learn. I have a very tight-knit family, and so getting away from Mama and moving to New Orleans was the best thing. Getting away from both our moms uh, it was the best thing we could do because it taught us to really unify together. And so uh, we have a great tradition every Christmas Eve after the service is over with Waffle House. <laughs> we love it. The kids love it. They look forward to it now. And so, you know, find your traditions and that kind of thing. Um, let's, let's breeze through these next two, and then we'll give you a minute to ask questions if you have any. Grace in the gospel uh, is simply uh, uh, basically asking, how do we apply the gospel to our family? How do we apply the gospel to our family? And so in how you speak to somebody else in your home, how is the gospel applied there? Is that what Jesus would say? What we do in our home are the things that we do is that what Jesus would do? Or make it more let's let's make it more applicable. Is this what your, what you want your kids to be like when they're adults? And so asking yourself, that's really convicting, isn't it? Um, what we allow in our home are these the things that honor God? Are these the things that Christ would have us do? Are these the things we want our children to become? What we do on the weekends, uh, you know, it's it's really easy to to sit down and kick back and forget what happens that Friday night. But is that the gospel and how we apply that? I'm not saying be a fuddy dud. I'm saying be someone that would honor God in their home. And, and so, how do you apply the gospel? Uh, real, real quick uh, example is it when we get angry with our spouse? The question we have to ask ourselves in those moments, and I've had to, I really have, honestly, had to stop myself and ask, how do I apply the gospel? Where I'm so angry with Sarah Beth. She, I mean, I mean. Now, that doesn't happen much. I'll be real with y'all. She's awesome. But I'm so angry with Sarah Beth. Um, How do I, at this very moment, apply the gospel? Do I need to stop and listen? Do I need to forgive? Do I need to look over? Do I need to seek reconciliation? Or do I need to give her a moment let her cool off and let me cool off and come back and talk when we can do it um, cordially? And so how do you apply the gospel is a great question to ask. And you're parenting. I had to do it with my kids. So next one. I'm sorry.
1: Um, yeah, you, you covered almost all of them. That's good, babe. Um, <laughs> so last one, we talked about activities. We are in an activity-heavy stage of our lives, and our kids thrive in activities. We've tried not to do them, and it's much worse um, in our house. So we're encouraging our kids to do these activities, to be active, to wear themselves out. Um, But managing all of that is really hard, and keeping Christ a priority in the midst of that, it's really easy not to. There's a lot of teams that play all weekend, uh, that play on Sunday, um, and so we're trying to balance all of that. Um, Also, our emotions as our kids play on the ball field, and we see things that maybe aren't okay. um, And (laughs) there are emotions that came out of me that I did not know existed. So asking yourself... (laughs)
0: You're much more competitive than I am. I just want to <laughs> say, uh, <laughs> she uh, form-tackled the ref. It was crazy. No, I'm just kidding. I thought about it.
1: <laughs> but asking ourselves, you know, how are we representing Christ in these activities? Am I making people around me aware of the gospel? This is a great place to talk to people. This is a great place to, you know, check on people and see how they're doing spiritually. Um, will this matter in 10 years if you want to tackle Ref, um, ask yourself that you know, will it matter in 10 years? Is this something that I really want to fight for? Would I be embarrassed um, if they knew my husband was a pastor after what I said? Um, And just family priorities continue to assess that. Does my family look like they love Jesus? Are our priorities representative of what we say our priorities are? And so we're constantly having to re-examine that. Um.
0: I want to reaffirm something, though. That doesn't mean you're, uh, and Sarah Beth's not not saying this, but I, I want to affirm it to some of you guys. You're not you're not raising wimps, okay? Because I, I helped coach them. Justin was standing there when I ran in this to get into the here today because I had my coaching stuff on and I had to change, and i just come off the field. And one of the things I tell my kids is, you know, I expect violence from you. I do. I expect violence. I want you to rip their heads off, and then tell them that Jesus loves them. But you can do that all in one moment. You know, you can. And so be competitive, be passionate. be. But, you know, I had to confront another adult uh, two weeks ago. And I had to take this. I mean, thank God I wasn't angry when I did it and all those things. And I prayed through it. That's where I have to ask myself, instead of speaking in the flesh, how do I apply the gospel here, sweet Jesus, because I need it right now. I was so angry. And uh, I went in. Hey, man, I love you. This is what happened. Let's not do this anymore. Are you cool? Uh, and he hadn't really spoken to me since, but I can know knowing that I confronted it. It was the right thing to do. Does that make sense to you guys? And so understanding you control those emotions. We'll cover this in the parenting thing. want to put this bug in your ear. You will do more value for your children if you press down on academics and integrity rather than athletics and extracurriculars. Because the reality is most of our kids aren't superstars. I'm going to say that. Okay? My kid's not going to be Brett Favre. Sarah Beth and I are five, eight and a half, and five, three. It ain't happening, okay? It ain't happening. It's okay. But they can have integrity. So um, last thing we want to deal with is internet, media, and devices. This helps create a safe home. This is a tangible thing you get to see in your home. We'll breeze through that. Uh, Sarah Beth, would you start?
1: Yeah, I'll start with that. I was reading uh, a study yesterday, actually, about depression in teenagers, um, and there's been such an increase in uh, devices and social media. I mean, we all use it every day. It's a reality. We've got to figure out how to do this in a healthy way, how to teach our kids uh, how to use it in a way that's going to be helpful for them. But teenage depression has really gone up and they um, determined that a lot of that is because kids are connecting online and they're not connecting in person. Um, And I thought about that, and as adults, I think we're probably doing the same thing. There's a lot less connection person to person, and the body of Christ gives us a great way to do that, to come here and actually be present with other people um, instead of having a, a false sense of community. And I realized, you know, in my own life, I was like, wow, that's something that, that is really important. Um, we um, also, do you want me to do all access? Oh.
0: Yeah, I'll, I mean, you want me yeah. to say oh okay. Yeah devices in your home should be all access meaning as the husband and wife in that home you should have access to your spouse's device 100% and your children's device there's there's just that's not a negotiable for us because number 1 for my kids I pay for it I don't care you don't have a private life in this house I mean you don't but for adults there's nothing I'm going to be embarrassed about when I give Sarah Beth my phone so, and so, vice versa. And so, make sure you have all access. Um, that's just one of those things that keeps the enemy from breaching the gates of your home. It keeps it a safe environment. Um, and uh,
1: yeah, we talked about time limits as well. And this is something that you guys will have to determine as a family. I mean, some people are like, it's two hours a day. It's twenty minutes a day. Just looking at, you know, is is this device keeping me? from Jesus? Is it keeping my kids from, you know, real communication? Is it enabling us to, um, is it keeping us from from having discussions and talking to each other? Um, And we just, we don't have devices around this kitchen table. Um, We have, you know, limits that our kids hate, um, um, really hate. You've probably heard one of them talk to you about it because he tells everybody about it. (laughs) Um, But some of those things, we, Monitor content, Um, we've talked to our kids about pornography starting at a pretty young age. Um, There's a book called Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, um, and I can give you guys links information um, that helps you talk to your kids about what it is, what to do if they were to see it, because the reality is kids are being exposed to that earlier and earlier on, and they're not sure what to do about it. Um, We've got something called Video Angel at our house that takes out... um, inappropriate scenes or um, certain cuss words. Um. Yeah, the
0: reality is your kids are going to go to school and they're going to want to talk about these movies with other kids. But this app, you stream it through that app and it you can delete or have them take out certain cuss words and certain graphic scenes that you don't want them to see. And so they can still go home and talk about it. You can still enjoy the movie as a family. But they can you, know, you don't have to have the exposure that the normal movie would have okay I'll, I'll run through these real quick okay Disney Circle is a device is a hundred bucks you put it in your home you hook it up to your Wi-Fi and it is great it you can do time limits I can turn off the internet for my entire home I can be in the Philippines and do it it's great I can set time limits we can set time limits for the kids they hate it we love it and so after X amount of minutes they've used on a certain app or a certain or on the internet as a whole it shuts down love it and uh, in that regard. Net Nanny is something you might want to look into. Uh, force Field, Force Field is something you might want to look into and um, if you have an Apple device, I'm not sure about the other one, Android stuff, but Apple devices, you need to go on your kid's Apple device and set up the settings. Uh, you just kind of have to manipulate it through the privacy settings to what they can look at, you c- that rates the websites, what they can see. You even do this for your babies if they have an iPad, because you have no idea what kind of things going to pop up and they click. And so um, have that put in there. Um, and there's a passcode. They shouldn't know that code, and they can never access that stuff. So there's even. So we have like three layers, and they still get around it sometimes. Well, but and that's
1: why internal. Yeah. Um, you know, we want them to know. We don't want to just protect them from everything, but we want them to know what to do. If this should pop up, so those internal filters are really important, and that's a big part of the teaching um, about you know what this is, how it affects your brain, your brain chemistry, even addiction is a is a big thing too. So.
0: Two last things here: Life 360 It's an app you put on your phones. Uh, Sarah Beth has it on our phone, on her phone, mine on I got one on mine, and Kate has one on his. Uh, Caroline doesn't have a phone yet, um, and I can we can see where each other is, no matter what. Uh, now, it's funny, when we first got it, I would like, what are you doing at Aldi? <laughs> that kind of stuff. I it's call just, it the
1: stalker app. The stalker
0: <laughs> it is so awesome. But uh, as the kids get older, when they're driving, I know you're about to have some to drive. You can find out how fast they're going, that kind of stuff. Life 360. And so uh, it tracks every, everywhere they go. And it's a really, really cool um, thing. Um, the biggest thing is, and even with the TV shows that we watch, monitor that what's coming into your home. Does it honor God? Is it going to be a hindrance in your relationship with God and your family? So with that being said, it is 7.34. We started at 7.39, 7.40, 6.40. Sorry, we started in the future. Um, We want to give you, like, let's take four minutes if you have a question. Maybe you missed something. Maybe uh, you need to ask Sarah Beth something about a situation. Um, we'll, We'll deal with that. So any questions? say something? You sure? Okay. All right. Well, that being said, if you have a question afterward about an app or something you may have missed, let us know. Next time we're going to be talking about building your marriage. So we're going to focus, take these principles and get more detailed about your marriage, how to date your spouse, how to put the gospel in the middle of a relationship, uh, bring your spouse with you. Uh, But uh, really glad you guys showed up. Yes, ma'am. We're going to try to record all of them. Well, you don't love your spouse. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. All right. All right. All right. Well, uh, we'll pray. And um, if if the dudes could do me a favor, do y'all mind rolling these tables back in? Because we have to set this up for church on Sunday night, on Sunday morning. I sure would appreciate it. And I'll grab some other guys. They should be done now, too. But let's pray together. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for grace. Thank you for your mercy. And I ask, Lord, that you would just bless each family unit here and allow us to seek you and know you and glorify you and just create a safe place in our homes. In Jesus' name, amen.